Our uh, text this morning is the uh, gospel reading in John 7. We begin with uh, verse 38. There's only three verses. I, I got off easy today, but it's the, it's the middle one. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is our text. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's going to be a lot of talk about water with this particular text, but I, I just wanted to make you think about it for a minute. Is water is not a simple thing. I mean, it looks simple enough. It's kind of all over the place, but its, uh, it's uh, purpose is a little complicated. So you're, as you sit here, mostly made of water. A, a pretty major majority of your existence is water, which is important to know, because if you don't get enough water, then you get thirsty, and you probably all had moments like that. Uh, and if you get thirsty enough, then you can die from it, which is, uh, you know, even worse. Well, I'm, I, I guess that's kind of obvious, right? Uh, but then, uh, if you get too much water, <laughs> that's not helpful either. Uh, if you drink too much, you can get sick. But if you get way too much, then you can drown. And um, then, you know, uh, you have floods and hurricanes and stuff that bring way too much water and there's great destruction that goes with that. Um, so, you know, in the end, I guess you could say, uh, can't live with it, can't live without it, I guess you could say that, although that seems to go with something else these days. Uh, but water is, is like that. Now it's odd that Jesus brings up water at the Feast of Tabernacles, because we're talking about Pentecost, which is a whole different feast day altogether, but this is the Feast of Tabernacles, and what that is, is it's supposed to be a reminder to, to the people of God that they lived at God's mercy for 40 years in tents in the wilderness. That's what way back in the days of the Exodus. Uh, water and food, if you're in the wilderness, are always uh, a problem. Uh, a wilderness is like that. It's just because, I mean, they call it wilderness because there's nothing there. I guess in that particular wilderness, there's a lot of rocks, but that's about it. But they had water there. And the reason they had water there, because God gave it to them. God supplied them water and supplied them food. If they didn't get it that way, then they wouldn't have it. So uh, one of the provisions of water that we hear in those days is uh, Moses taking his staff and whacking a rock. And out of that rock comes water. And, and uh, Paul would later say you know, in the New Testament in one of his letters that uh, that the, the, the rock that the water came from, uh, this is kind of what Jesus is talking about, is uh, the water that came out of it. This is Jesus. He's the source. Of course, it's a symbol, but it's what it says. 
And, and uh, that's what we're supposed to understand. So in here, Jesus himself draws attention to it. The water that came from the rock when they lived in tents in the tabernacle and only it existed because God said it should exist and out of it came there to predict, as it turns out, as Jesus is doing here, that the Holy Spirit would come at Pentecost, which is what we're getting today. Now, if you give some serious thought to the predicament of Israel when they walked in the wilderness, it's no big surprise that they might have been thirsty sometimes. Like I said, there isn't any water there unless God finds it and gives it. Even greater concern should have been that their thirst for righteousness. The reason being is because the reason they're out there for 40 years is because they didn't listen to God. Uh, he wanted them to go to the promised land. He provided them a way to do it. And they scouted the place and said, nope, we can't do it. And God said, fine, if you don't believe me, then you can do 40 years learning how to trust me. So that's what they did. Um, so they thirsted sometimes, except God gave them water. Even greater, they, they did this in the wilderness. Everybody died, or everybody. Everybody died, uh, even Moses. There were only a few exceptions. If you were under 20 years old when this 40 years thing started, then you could survive that. Uh, at least most of them did. Uh, and there are a couple of other guys, Joshua being one of them and Caleb being another. Those were the only exceptions at the time. But, but sin was a big problem and, and these were not the rule. These were the exceptions when they didn't trust God's lead. As it turns out, sin is a, a great burden for us too, no less than for them. You have no greater right to the promised land. Now, of course, our promised land is heaven, uh, but we have no greater right to it than they did. Uh, we thirst for righteousness, and that is the great danger for y'all. Uh, and and that, without exception, because you're all sinners. They died there in the wilderness Thirsting for righteousness is the great danger for you. The wages of sin is death, and a moment of judgment follows that. And there's no escaping those things, at least not from your own doing, any more than you can find water in the desert. Now, it, it might be helpful for you to know that, as I said, everyone did not die in the desert in those 40 years. Um, there were exceptions. I laid out a few for you. Uh, but there's an awful lot of people that died elsewhere. In fact, everybody died elsewhere. Everybody else. Uh, and b before these events even occurred, Adam died, but he wasn't there. And likewise, Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and John the Baptist and a whole bunch of other people, and they, that's just to name a few. Every one of them, though, was commended in Scripture somewhere by their God. Because they had the Holy Spirit 
that flowed from the life of Christ to reside in them. This great gift was their water overflowing as they needed it and their thirst for righteousness was fulfilled. Theirs was saving faith by that very spirit. And they were all of them sinners, just like you, doomed alone to die in this world. And yet they live. Because Christ's living water flowed from Christ to their lives to, well, last into eternity. They're not here anymore. They are still to this day with Christ. Pentecost proved further that the Holy Spirit is in the world with power. He spoke through prophets and apostles to give you the scriptures. And, you know, it is important for you to understand that hearing can come to believing by the Holy Spirit's power. And so it's by the Spirit through the word, at least in that one case, that brings you saving faith. He also lives in the baptism you received in the Lord's holy name uh, for new life, and this also lasting into eternity, the Holy Spirit's work there as well. And he lives in the work of Christ's body and blood of Holy Communion here on our altar, right here today, to strengthen your faith, to give you encouragement, to walk in this life's challenges, even to wrestle against the sin that corrupts your spirit. It troubles you, so that sin does. The spirit is there wrestling for you, fighting for you, encouraging you, inspiring you. And as these things are occurring, you have been promised, even though you thirst helplessly for the righteousness of Christ, you get to drink of him to the full. And yet in him, yet more as he overflows to you and through you to the world that yet walks in the same desperate thirst that sin causes, that sin brings. You have the face of Christ's spirit standing in your life all the time, calling you thirsty, but yet also telling you that the salvation that Christ has earned, that water overflows to you for salvation for eternal life. Um, I noticed here that uh, it says Jesus stood up and cried out. I remember uh, sitting with the pastors and wondering why he cried out. Actually, he was uh, at this feast and I, I guess he wanted everybody's attention because you know, crying out will do that. <laughs> uh, it gets attention, that's what it's for. He did this before, though, too. Uh, uh, well, not before, but other times. Uh, when he died on the cross, it says he cried out. He did it when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, but it was kind of a different crying out because Jesus wasn't there personally. But uh, you, you get some uh, preview that the Spirit is about to appear, which is kind of like divine crying out. First of all, you get this wind except there wasn't any wind. The only thing you got was the noise of the wind. So you get the noise of a great storm, except there's no storm. And people heard it and they were attracted to come and see 
what was going on will seek to again get your attention. And then when the spirit started to work, it says that there were these divided tongues that were uh, set upon the apostles that looked like, wasn't fire, mind you, but it looked like fire. And, and again, hey, over here, these guys have something important to tell you because the Holy Spirit has come today and that was God crying out for people to notice, which is what you needed to do that day. As it turns out, the Holy Spirit of God was given there so that people would understand the message that was given there, so that they would hear the word of the Lord from the mouth of Peter and the other disciples all the way to eternal life. That was there. And there was God crying out to get their attention. He does this to you too. Here you sit in church celebrating a great day, and, and he, he has your attention. You're here because the Holy Spirit brought you here to hear of your salvation, to hear of the forgiveness of your sins, to hear of the Holy Spirit living in you, to hear of the forgiveness that Christ has earned for you on his cross and his rising from the dead and all these things. I guess you could say that Jesus cried out and you have come. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.